Hey everyone, and welcome back to Needs More Jazz Hands. This week we're going to be talking about Salvatore the Musical, which is one of the most recent episodes of Legacies, the Vampire Diaries and Original spin-off show. Because this episode just came out, a few weeks ago by the time I'm posting this, a few days after I drafted it, there's obviously a lot that we don't know yet about how it's going to play out in future episodes. But the episode definitely gave us a lot to work with, so I'm going to dig right in. As usual, if you want to see me turn a 45-minute show into an hour and a half of commentary, head over to my YouTube channel to see my first reactions and predictions to the episode. Because this one was completely new when I was watching it, I made a lot of guesses about where it was going to be going, so if you'd like to see my real-time reactions, definitely check that out. Trying to provide a recap of what you need to know is going to be really difficult here. So this episode is presented as both an episode of Legacies and an homage to The Vampire Diaries and the originals, and there's literally 14 seasons of content leading up to it. So I'm just going to kind of do the best that I can here. I'm definitely going to end up leaving a lot out, so Wikipedia is your friend and I'm sorry if I cut your favorite plotline. This episode was supposed to be near the end of season 2 of Legacies, but then COVID, so I'll do my best to keep that in mind as we go through. It is both the penultimate episode of Season 2 and the third episode of Season 3. So the work that it does is going to be different based on how it was originally supposed to be set up and how it actually ended up being presented. There's a lot going on there. I won't judge it too harshly, but it's definitely important to keep in mind. Diving into the backstory... Very long story short, Legacies features the children of the main TVD and Originals characters and their friends and love interests going to a school for mystical creatures and trying to save the world. Hope is our main character, the daughter of supposedly evil original vampire-werewolf hybrid Klaus Michelson, who's also descended from witches, and badass werewolf queen Haley Marshall. Long story short again, everyone Hope knows and loves ends up dying. She's the only one of her species, which is witch-werewolf hybrid with tribrid possibilities whenever her death activates her vampire side. And anyway, so she fell in love with Landon, who always came back to life as a phoenix, but now has lost that ability and is suddenly very much mortal, which is causing a lot of problems between them. Alongside Hope, we have the Saltzman twins, Lizzie and Josie, who are siphon witches, meaning that their magic comes from draining magic from others, who have a lot of insecurities and are fated to eventually have to participate in the merge, which will end up killing one of them. They're kind of the daughters of Caroline, a vampire who had them magically transported into her womb when their biological mother was dying, and are the biological daughters of Alaric, who has had basically every woman he's ever loved die. Um, Lizzie fights with bipolar disorder by putting on a bit of a bitchy persona to hide her insecurities, and Josie was kind of a pushover until she went dark and kind of tried to kill everyone a few episodes before this. So yeah, there's a lot going on there, and there is definitely not enough time to get into it now. There's also a ton of other characters who show up in this episode, but if I was trying to explain everything happening in this episode and everything from the two different series you need to know, we'd be here all day, so I'm not going to. 
This series is very much a monster-a-week kind of show, with overall plot arcs that primarily involve a pit of mud that erases the things that fall into it from existence and memory. Yeah, this is me saying I'm bored of the Malivore plots. Please give us something else to work with in the future. Anyway, the season-specific villain is the Necromancer, who has just made a plan to take over the world and control Malivore and its monsters and attack the Salvatore school along the way. In order to keep them distracted, he sends a new monster to the school that turns out to be Robin Goodfellow, a.k.a. Puck, who convinces everyone that they know him and that they should do a musical about the founding of the school. From here, we kind of see a million subplots and no real complete plots. Vampire MG is tasked with figuring out who the monster is, which is played as a kind of comedic montage for a couple of minutes before just completely disappearing from the plot for about a half an hour. Everybody else in the show is concerned with the musical. Caleb and Jed are just really excited to play Damon and Stefan. Lizzie struggles to play her mother in the musical, who she saw as perfect when she feels so broken inside. Josie struggles to connect with Elena, who she's supposed to be playing, because she thinks that Elena is whiny and annoying, as many fans did, but eventually realizes that she's just being true to herself after having gone through a lot, like Josie has. And Hope is still refusing to deal with the trauma of all of her loved ones dying, and is maybe breaking up with Landon because she struggles with loving somebody who's so vulnerable, and eventually comes to accept that you should love in the moment, even if it's not forever. Oh, and Landon is writing the musical super fast because he needs to learn how to be human again and is mourning the kind of loss of his foster brother Raphael. Oh, and Alaric, the Saltzman twin's father, is trying to decide whether or not to start dating the town sheriff because everyone he loves seems to die. Spoiler alert, he decides to go for it, but then when the show shifts from what should have been the end of season two to the start of season three, she disappears from the show, so it turns out to have not mattered anyway. That's not even scratching the surface of the episode, but as you can tell, there's a lot going on here. Which was kind of the problem. But let's start going through our criteria, and I can tell you more about that as we go. So, starting off with magic. If you check out my YouTube channel, you will see that I was absolutely in love with all of the possibilities they dangled in front of me for the first uh, 10 minutes of this episode. There was great potential, so it definitely drew me in. I was really enjoying the Puck character, because I'm all about our villains that kind of actually aren't villains, but are just really chaotic. The idea of making a musical in homage to the original series is, was also really intriguing, and there were definitely some great beats there. I loved all of the meta-commentary on the other shows, especially the ones where they included accepting that some of the plot points were just bad. Also, the Caroline cameo was really nice, given that half of the characters in the musical are still alive and in town, but virtually never mentioned. That being said, the actual musical itself was not nearly as fun as I was hoping, and the great potential that drew me in only set me up to be disappointed. Also, who decided they could do a musical about the Vampire Diaries and not include Bonnie? Oh right, the same people who have made it so that there are basically no women of color on the show at all to play the badass Bennett Witch. I'm just saying, if we're going to name anyone as, quote, the anchor of the show, it really ought to be the character who saved everyone's butts constantly, at great personal risk, and was literally called the anchor. But that's just a problem I had as a fan of the original show. 
Anyway, I think this is probably my lowest magic rating so far, but I'm only giving this episode 10 out of 20. For a show literally about magic, it somehow missed out on including it, taking a whole bunch of great possibilities and kind of failing to execute them in any meaningful way. Let's turn to emotionally affecting our characters. This was the thing that the episode clearly tried to do the most. When you have characters playing roles in a musical as the setup for your musical episode, you do it to make the characters compare themselves to the roles they've claimed or been assigned. Doing this with some of the students' parents made for some really interesting comparisons. Lizzie trying to live up to Caroline is a trend we've seen throughout the show, so it was a really fantastic way to explore her character growth and insecurities. Had this been highlighted better, I think that this could have been an amazing emotional arc, seeing Lizzie realize that nobody, especially not her mother, is perfect. Having the note from Caroline was also just a really great part of this episode, telling Lizzie and the audience that she wasn't broken and that she didn't need to be fixed. It's just too bad that Lizzie's arc was basically a C-plot in this musical episode, when it really could have been an emotional core. If I was trying to define who had the A-plot, I guess I'd say it was shared by Josie and Hope, who shared the role of Elena in the musical. The problem was, in sharing the role, they also shared the emotional journey, meaning one got half and the other got half, and neither really had a full arc. Josie came to accept that her life had changed and that she needed to be honest about what that meant for her. We saw the journey, but there wasn't much of a resolution for it. And then Hope had a 10-second journey of realizing that her dad would have never wanted her to be so miserable or scared of losing the people that she loved, which resulted in her singing Always and Tomorrow, the song literally built for her to sing, and getting back together with Landon. A successful resolution, but really not much of a journey to get there. Oh, and a bunch of other people had emotional journeys, I think... If we count less than five minutes of screen time as being a journey, then there were at least three other characters that had one. And then about half of the characters had their plots completely undone in the next two episodes of the show. One quick point about Hope's arc before I move on. In her micro-arc this episode, Hope learns to love people fully in the time that she has with them. It's a great message, and it seemed like it would be a crucial part of Hope opening up to Landon more fearlessly moving forward. Except, whoops, Landon died. Literally the next episode. And then we see Hope very much not coping well. And I'm fine with Hope not going, oh, I should be okay with my boyfriend dying because I sang this song once that made me feel better. Like, I get it. But story-wise, it kind of sabotages the message of the musical episode and Hope's arc. Also, Throwing back to Buffy for just a second, can we please stop having narratives where young women having sex literally ends up killing the people they love? This isn't a hit against the musical episode, but it's definitely a hit against the show itself, and proves that the musical episode was not as successful as it could have been. Turning back to the episode's emotional impacts, Puck says that he breaks people apart and puts them back together, and that was clearly the goal for our characters' emotional arcs in this episode. We do see Lizzie trying to be more open and honest with her emotions moving forward. We do see Josie trying to forge a new path. And we do see Hope be more open to land and taking risks. So it absolutely did have an impact on our characters. But because they tried to have an impact on so many characters, the execution was just not well done. 
I'll give it 15 out of 20, because that change to the characters definitely happened, even if I didn't really get the chance to see it. Turning to the impact on the larger plot of the show, I liked that this episode was not completely standalone. But again, there was just so much going on, the connections to the wider plot could easily be lost. At the beginning of the episode, M.G. was told by Alyssa, a girl he was crushing on but who was working with the necromancer, that there was a monster that was distracting them from what the necromancer was doing. So the episode mattered to the plot. Our seasoned antagonist prompted it. And at the very end of the episode, Puck told M.G. not to give up on the woman he loved, even when everyone else did, which resulted in him running in to save her from the necromancer and getting captured instead. At the start and the finish, M.G. definitely connects the episode with the overall plot. It just doesn't really carry over to the vast majority of the episode. I really liked that this musical episode was more strongly tied to the seasoned villain than it was to the heroes. It's definitely an interesting way to do it that I haven't really seen before, and it justified the fact that much of the episode was still just kind of filler. Since the villains needed everyone distracted long enough for their plan to work, having the heroes be distracted from the main plot was actually relevant to the main plot. In a bit of a clever trick, the writers made it so that a filler episode actually allowed the villains to prepare a major threat for the next episode, the would-be finale of season two. Was it done particularly well? I mean, the whole MG plot was about five minutes long, so I guess it was done about as well as anybody else's arc in this episode. So I'll give it 17 out of 20. Definitely had an impact on the plot, but the execution needed a lot of work. Turning to musical quality, I'm going to end up contradicting my usual thought. In most episodes where the characters are putting on a musical, I kind of want to see the full musical, not just the two numbers that the writers actually decided to flesh out. However, this episode put in so many musical numbers that it just distracted from the 25 plot arcs going on, because watching all of the final performances wasn't significant to the plot of the episode or of the overall plot, other than Hope's rendition of Always and Tomorrow. Hello Brother was majorly hyped up as a part of this musical episode, as it should have been when it featured Chris Lee, who has the voice of an angel and was literally in the Chicago production of Hamilton. Obviously, his song was the best in the show, and deserved the hype. But considering his character didn't even have an arc in this episode, besides being excited to perform, I guess, the song was kind of just there, because you couldn't not have it, not because it actually did anything for the episode. In addition to Hello Brother, we pretty much just get our main three girls singing sad ballads. And don't get me wrong, the sad female ballad is one of the best parts of any musical, but did we really need three? I didn't love any of their voices, but that was mostly just a problem of energy. The girls all seem to be really low energy, because I guess slow and sad equals low energy to the writers and director here. The songs were kind of connected to their emotional arcs, but not really. Josie just tells us that at first she didn't understand Elena, and now she does, after having sung a song. Lizzie's big emotional moment comes after the musical, when she reads her mom's letter. Hope's works, kind of. The song came directly after her big realization, so at least there it kind of felt connected. This is her saying out loud, singing out loud her true feelings. But in general, 
It just kind of felt like they made these songs and then tried to force the plot into making them significant, which I don't think was very successful. This whole episode was a lot of telling me that people had emotional breakthroughs instead of actually showing me. I'm going to give musical quality 12 points, because Hello Brother was a masterpiece, but not super relevant to much of anything, and because Always and Tomorrow was completely necessary as a hope song, but not terribly well executed. The rest of the songs, honestly, are forgettable. Finally, we turn to the reason for the musical happening. I've mentioned before that generally you can either have a musical happening because something magical happened, or because the characters decided to put on a musical. Here, yet again, the writers couldn't seem to decide, so they had the monster tell the characters to write and perform a musical. Puck had no power to make them sing, but he kind of tinkered with things to make it happen. Officially speaking, the musical was supposed to fill an arts requirement for the school to get, or keep, accreditation. We never really find out if that requirement was real or created by Puck, which kind of would have been nice to know so that we could say just how much the monster actually did to make this musical happen. Like most things in this musical, they had two really cool ideas, but in trying to merge them, it was kind of unsuccessful. Landon created the songs, which meant that he could tailor Always and Tomorrow to Hope, despite the fact that she wasn't supposed to be singing it so it didn't really make sense to do that. Then there were a lot of little moments of the characters demanding rewrites, suggesting that there was some degree of shared authorship here, but we simultaneously get characters trying to connect with the roles they've been cast in, and characters singing the songs that they need to say and or hear. So we had a couple decent reasons for having everybody sing, but I'm not really sold because it seems thrown in more than necessary. Puck didn't need them to be in a musical. He caused just as much mischief in A Midsummer Night's Dream without forcing everybody to start singing. Theoretically, the accreditation requirement didn't need them to have a musical about the school, which was what evoked all of those deep emotional situations. I want to see the musical episode logically follow from the reason given for having it. And this seemed more like a hand-waving explanation for the writers to write a musical because they wanted to. So... For the explanation for the musical, I'm going to, again, give it 12 out of 20. We definitely got a reason, two in fact, but neither really explained why there had to be a musical. So now that I've finished tearing apart a musical episode that I'm sure many fans actually enjoyed, let's look at the score. Altogether, this episode got 66 points out of 100. It had so much potential, but in trying to do too many things, it failed to do much of anything well. I decided to ignore huge chunks of the 14 seasons of this franchise because it was too much to talk about, and the writers should have done the same. In trying to be an emotional turning point for Legacies, and an homage to The Vampire Diaries, and an homage to the originals, it didn't do any of it terribly well. By trying to give us seven different character arcs, we basically lacked any successful A or B plots, just having a scattering of C and F plots. The idea of having it be an emotional step forward for our heroes, while plot-wise being a step forward for our series' villain, was brilliant. But the good of this episode ultimately just served to make me more disappointed by the bad. As usual, I'm sure there are plenty of people just itching to tell me I'm wrong. But Huron needs more jazz hands? That's the verdict. 
in keeping with our trend of mostly Magic Made Me Do It musical episodes, next episode we will be turning to Once Upon a Time's The Song in Your Heart. The reaction video to that will be posted next week, and then I'll break it down properly on here in two weeks. Make sure to check back soon to see that analysis.